0: Tech show to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour two. Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877 973 7425. If you text the word ENGAGE to 33777, you can get tickets to the annual gathering where we take our radio listeners from around the country and get together in person. Uh, Grab a beer and listen to some very important politicos from around the country. Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona, former governor of Arizona. Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. Greg Gianforte, the governor of of Montana. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas. Ted Cruz from Texas. We're inviting them Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get them all in the room. We've got some great political candidates we're inviting as well from around the country for the Senate and the House. Uh, So hope to have you in Atlanta in August. Text ENGAGE to 33777. Come hang out with us in Atlanta. Now, i got to talk about this story. As you are probably aware, There is growing data coming from multiple sources. I've seen it from Gallup. I've seen it from Pew. um, I've seen it from Reuters uh, polling, from Ipsos. Uh, There's a lot of data that young men are becoming more right wing and young women are becoming more progressive. That's not necessarily the case on women, just so you understand that there is a large subset of women who are becoming more progressive. Uh, but actually a good number of them are drifting to the right in reaction to all of just just so everybody is aware. Uh, but the bulk of young men are dramatically becoming more conservative. A lady named Catherine Jeezer uh, Morton is a columnist for The Cut. Now, The Cut is part of New York Magazine. It's a, a women's lifestyle subsection of New York Magazine, and it's where – their uh, woman financial columnist last week, two weeks ago, admitted she got scammed. Someone called her, said they're from the CIA or something. It was Amazon, led to the FTC, led to the CIA, that it was some global conspiracy. And she withdrew $50,000 from the bank, put it in a shoebox and threw it into the back of a truck and says, "Up, oh, I got scammed and you can too. And literally all of the elite voices of America said, oh, if it can happen to her, it can really happen to the rest of us. Now, I'm sorry, two weeks later, I'm still struggling with the idea that I would be gullible enough to put $50,000 in a shoebox and throw it in the back window of a truck that was driving by uh, to help the CIA in the United States. I, I, I have a real hard time believing you or I would fall for that, and the fact that members of the media are like, oh my gosh, if it could happen to her, it could happen to us, tells you more about them than you and me. That was a woman at the cut. And now another woman at the cut says she went into her kitchen and has this greasy backsplash. And, well, one of her kids' friends, she has two sons, 13 and 10, and one of their friends apparently used the greasy backsplash to draw a surreptitious um, phallic picture and she's convinced it wasn't her sons after after grilling them that it had to be one of their friends she's like up adolescence is creeping into my house and now she's really concerned because the boys are going right wing This doesn't come as a huge surprise to me, or Gray, that's her husband. He teaches humanities at a local college where I've taught too, and we've often talked about how tricky it can be to keep hetero boys involved in classroom debates. Many of these young men seem very anxious about saying the wrong thing and will often refuse to participate, sometimes projecting a provocative kind of defensiveness that is its own argument. As much as I think cancel culture is a fake problem in media, it feels very real to young men when they're sitting in the classroom. Whatever they're feeling, it feels real as hell. Insisting they're imagining their enemies doesn't help. Now, I pause you and go back to yesterday. To Adam Rubenstein, who in, on his first week at the job with the New York Times was censored by the HR representative when he said, when asked what his favorite sandwich was, he blurted out the spicy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A, and all the progressives started snapping their fingers at him, which is a virtue signal of the left to shame someone. And the HR representative says, they're transgressive, we don't eat Chick-fil-A here. Can you help but understand why uh, young men, particularly conservative young men, and young men who are going through through puberty and see a world that is against masculinity. I mean, it, it, honestly, there was a a, a a an article the other day about how um baby what well, well, I don't even know what baby girl chic is, but Baby girl chic is replacing toxic masculinity, and they literally had a picture of some dude who was dressed like a girl next to some dude in a suit, and the guy in the suit was supposedly the transgressive, um, misogynistic. No, no, that's being a man. Being a man is not misogynistic and problem. You know, there's this bro cult now, where oh, you, you gotta you gotta have your your zen and go to the gym and smack girls around, and that's real masculinity. No, buddy, my Jason Howerton took after somebody the other day who was attacking uh sh- trying to shame a dad for taking his daughters to Taylor Swift and and uh Ayrton was like no this dad's a king he he took his girls to a Taylor Swift concert sang the songs with them had a good time with them built memories with his daughters yes it's part of being a man i have taken my daughter to four Taylor Swift concerts yeah yeah i'm i'm that dad and you know what i have a great relationship with my kid who listens to Ben Shapiro when she's not listening to me, and my son has taken to Jordan Peterson. In fact, so my son, I, I gotta laugh at this. Um, you know, we've we've got this this hot tub in our backyard. The Georgia Spa Company put in. Yeah, I, I do ads for them. Yeah, they put the 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 hot tub in my backyard. I want to make sure I get all the the what the Pug o la stuff taken care of. Yes, I I got a spa from the Georgia Spa Company. Do ads for them, and it's wonderful. I was in it last night, but my son has taken to getting in it by himself in the evenings before he does his homework, which I'm a little concerned about, but we finally come to terms with it that, that he's got a cutoff period. He needs to get out and go do his homework, but he loves to sit in that thing. And I went out there the other day and I was like, all right, what, what is he really watching when he's in the hot tub? What is my 15 year old watching? Do y'all know what my kid was watching in the hot tub? A Tim Keller sermon. Yeah. When he's not watching Jordan Peterson, he's watching Christian apologetics. He's watched something from the Bible Project the other day. God bless him. I got good kids. But what I have noticed is in their circle, for instance, if Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro come up a lot, and among young men uh, who are trying to find their way in the world, conservative media comes up more and more. And can you help it? So Shane Gillis was on um, Saturday Night Live, it was actually for once funny, and the left freaked out about it because Shane Gillis is a comedian who was hired by Saturday Night Live, and before his, like four days after they announced it, some progressive found he had made supposedly anti-gay, anti-Semitic comments in a podcast he had done. He was telling jokes, but the higher-ups at NBC were furious, and they forced um, what was it, Lorne Michaels of Saturday Night Live to fire the guy. His career exploded after that, and he tells jokes about everything. He's not right-wing, he's not left-wing, but because he's not definitively left-wing, the left has decided, oh, he's right-wing because he tells transphobic jokes like that Republican Dave Chappelle. In fact, Chappelle has kind of taken Shane Gillis under, under his wing. Now, this gets me to Dave Chappelle's co-creator of The Chappelle Show. His name is Neil Brennan. I genuinely like Neil Brennan's comedy. Neil Brennan is Way to the left of me, he jokes about how liberal he is. He's very funny, very cerebral. He has several Netflix uh, comedy specials. His, his latest one is called Blocks, and I would really encourage you if if you want a great, very cerebral, very funny comedy. It's also kind of sad, like you, he struggles with depression, and that's that's part of his joking. Um, he, he really struggles with depression. He's got a lot of a lot of issues from the way he was raised. Uh, and, and that's all part of the joke, uh, part of his jokes. But I, just, he he did this routine called Blocks, and one of the segments is on politics and and being a liberal. And, and instead of me telling you it, I found the clip. Let me play this for you. The problem with being liberal is there's no amount of liberal that's ever liberal enough. Like if there's a bunch of Republicans standing around and someone comes up and goes, "Hey, I'm Republican," they go like, "Come on in." If there's a bunch of liberals standing around and a liberal comes up and goes, "Hey, I'm liberal," they're like, "We'll see." It's so true. It, it it's it's so true. He goes on in that bit talking about like like transgender issues, talking about transgender issues. He's like, look, y'all are all going uncomfortable right now with me just raising the issue. And he says, don't go out like your boy Dave, meaning Dave Chappelle. Um, it, it, but it's right. Um, it, what the right pays? You got Joe Rogan who's entertaining. Uh, you've got UFC fights. Uh, you're not ashamed to watch football and and professional sports outside of soccer. Uh, you've got comedy. You're, you're, you're willing to laugh at yourself and other people and the jokes. Um, it, it's it, People on the right are having more fun in life because for most people on the right, we actually have a religion and a God that's outside the sphere of politics where politics is not our God and doesn't consume everything else. And young men are being driven to that in particular because so much of progressive society has definitively become anti-masculine. More girls go to college now. Every boy is treated as being a part of toxic masculinity now. Fathers are devalued in commercials, on television, in in conversation. It's no coincidence that boys are becoming more conservative when conservatives recognize that men and women are actually not the same. They're not interchangeable and that men have a distinct role to play. It's not a coincidence that young men are being drawn into voices that echo the Judeo-Christian foundations like Jordan Peterson, who my son, as Jordan Peterson has become more and more inquisitive about faith and Christianity, my son has is, is been drawn more and more to him who points out there is this biological distinction between men and women. God made men first and put them in charge, and, and their charge is actually burdensome. It's not to lord it over the women. It's just – but it's it's remarkable to hear – now, this woman, she got vilified on social media. I actually went back and read her column, and some of the things that she was vilified for is she was essentially vilifying some progressive parents, like, for example, this line – I think many of us adults are so entrenched in social media political discourse that it feels dangerously transgressive to allow a teen to articulate beliefs we disagree with at our dinner tables. When you spend your days reading infographics reminding you that being silent means being on the side of the oppressor, having a flesh and bro- blood oppressor in training, eating your spaghetti and meatballs can feel like a waking nightmare, but coming down too hard risks playing right into the paranoid hands of masculine discourse of male disempowerment. She's not saying that about her kids and a lot of people took her to mean that about her kids she was saying when you spend all your time on online on the left or the right if you're on the left in particular you come to believe you're feeding a flesh and blood oppressor and she says my own feeling is that we progressive parents of white sons could ease up it's possible to model and enforce ideological ground rules for your family while also allowing young people to bring up their questions and TikTok-based information without fear of a parental freeze-out. Yes, she's absolutely right. But what's notable here is the progressive parents of white sons. Um, The progressive parents of white sons don't like it when conservative parents want to raise their conservative kids with conservative values. They don't like it when we want our kids to reflect our values. They want their kids to reflect their values. We're just not allowed to on the right. That's a notable, notable separation here. But what I find more notable is that The reason young men are becoming more conservative is the failures of progressive policies. As progressives went all in on men and women are so interchangeable you can even like go through surgery to become the other. Young men are tapping out. It's no coincidence that the bulk of transgender activists prey on young women now, not on young men. It's no coincidence at all. Young women are highly vulnerable to this stuff And young men, for whatever reason, largely because of the humorless scolds on the left, are tapping out of it. They just want to enjoy life. And so conservatives, ironically, by laughing, not scowling, have been great missionaries for their own side. And so part of the moral of the story here for conservatives is, don't behave like progressives. There are some people on the right who want to behave just like progressives and be as angry as the progressives, and what's happening? Actually, young men are thinking, I think I want to be with the people who have the let the comedians tell the jokes, whether the comedians are with them or not. They laugh at them. I think I want to be with the people who like to go to the concerts and go to UFC fights and watch football as opposed to scowling about it all and, and expressing our the oppression of the Palestinian cause. Yeah conservatives by smiling and being nice you actually woo people to your side and you're wooing a lot of young men to your side because of it progressives maybe you guys shouldn't be such moral scolds and you might not be doing so much damage to your cause
1: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win
0: Hello there, welcome. It's Eric Erickson. I hope you are doing well. Um, at the bottom of the hour, we've got more to talk about on the uh, death of Lakin and Riley and the immigration fallout around the country. Joe Biden has decided on Thursday to go to the border. Concurrently, Donald Trump is going to the border at well, uh, as well. Um, but before I get into any of that, I got to play you all this, this incredible audio. Winsome Sears is a black Jamaican immigrant to the United States. She became a Marine and is now the Lieutenant governor of Virginia and had the audacity to call a man in the Virginia legislature, a man. And the Democrats are furious because the man identifies as a woman. The senator may state it. Madam President, how many votes will be would it take uh, to pass this That's bill with the, the man emergency talking. clause? That would be four-fifths, Senator. And what would be the exact number for that, uh, Madam President? Yes, sir, that would be 32. Uh, she calls him yes, sir, so he storms out and the Democrats are furious about this as she's tried to take a vote. Well, she's having none of the it.
1: The question is... Shall the bill pass? Those in favor of that motion will record their votes. Aye. Those opposed, no. Are the senators ready to vote? Of
0: all the senators... I am not here to upset anyone. I am here to do the job that the people of Virginia have called me to do, and that is to treat everyone with respect and dignity. I myself have at times not been afforded that same respect and dignity, but in this body and as long as I am president of the Senate and by the grace of God, I will be treated with respect and dignity and I will treat everyone else with respect and dignity. God bless Winsome Sears. My goodness, that woman's amazing. She held firm. She continues to say sir to the man. I got to tell you about stamps.com. I've used them for 20 years. I used them as late as as recently as last week uh, to send a package. And you can too. You can save up to 89% uh, by using stamps.com off UPS and post office shipping rates. Okay, so this is where it really comes in handy. You can arrange pickup at your home or office. So you've got a computer, you got a printer, you can print your labels, they will send you a free digital scale with this great offer. And You can have pickup arranged at your home or office, so you never have to go stand in line. You never have to wait. They'll even send you the supplies. You can order the supplies right from them. What you do is go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone, put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Click on the microphone at Stamps.com, put in my name, Eric. You'll get a limited-time offer, free digital scale, some free postage. You have no long-term commitment, no contract. You can cancel at any time. But if you ship a lot, particularly if you're a small business, Stamps.com, they're going to save you a lot of money. They save me money in half for 20 years. Stamps.com, click the mic, put in my name, Eric. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
1: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In
0: that case, I pronounce you Lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com.
0: Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program. um I I got to tell you. I am remarkably blessed to have you guys listening and to be here. And I don't thank you and appreciate you enough sometimes. Um, and I'm mindful of I I gotta I gotta keep it up and keep you coming back and, and be entertaining and keep keep you informed and engaged. And occasionally they'll run into these stories that I have to talk about that I don't want to talk about. And the Lake and Riley story is one of those stories because I have long, long, long bemoaned the Russian into political implications of tragedy. And, and yet here I am doing it, and, and I feel a little bit hypocritical. And at the same time, I feel like it's necessary because there are. Georgia has 16 electoral college votes, and Joe Biden may have lost them because of the death of Lake and Riley. It is a huge issue in the state of Georgia. It is a huge issue nationally among conservatives. And today the Gallup poll comes out and shows that immigration is the number one issue in America for voters across the board. Democrat, Republican, and Independent, all three agree immigration is a huge issue. There's been a meeting at the White House this morning between the Speaker of the House and, and the President and the Senate leadership. Uh, humorously, Chuck Schumer came out and was talking about the three big authoritarians in the world and he said the leaders of i gotta give it to you though he says the leaders of china russia north carolina uh uh, north korea i I like the guy in north carolina quick on his feet biden would have just said north carolina and not realized it and kept moving schumer was quick on his feet but uh johnson reportedly told the president the southern border is of paramount importance. The president realizes he has a political football he's got to deal with, a major liability. He's headed to the border on Thursday in the split-screen optic of Trump and Biden both at the border on Thursday. And in Georgia, there's this family who lost their daughter to a murderer. They don't want to be the political story. They don't want to be in the headlines. They, they don't want it, and yet they are, and I feel horrible for having to talk about the story. I really do. But it's one that's got to be talked about because of how it, it affects the national conversation over illegal immigration, and it's it's not the only situation that's been out there in the last number of years, and people sometimes forget that and the implications of it. In fact, um, there was a story, what, uh, where is this? From Denver back in January. The man charged with killing a Broomfield teen and his mother in a December 12th crash while drunk and driving was waiting for a jail bed for a recent alcohol-related driving conviction when he crashed into the Paris vehicle, according to the 20th Judicial uh, District Attorney's Office. Jose Menjivar, who goes by Jose Guadalupe Minjavarales, had been deported from the United States four times before the crash. He's charged with a vehicular homicide and driving under the influence of the uh, deaths of Reardon and Melissa Powell near Broomfield High School. He had four previous alcohol-related driving offenses stemming from incidents going back to 2007 in Boulder County, has been sentenced in the most recent case just four days before the Broomfield crash. He pleaded guilty to two charges of of driving, ability impaired, and one charge of driving under the influence, as well as a harassment charge. The prosecutors wanted him sentenced to a year in jail. But the judge sentenced him to work release and probation, to wait for a bed. And then this happened. This is a pattern. You can cite all the studies you want that illegal immigrants in this country commit less crime than Americans. I think the studies are flawed, by the way. But you can cite them all, and it doesn't decide to hide the fact that Laken Raleigh was killed by an illegal immigrant. It doesn't hide the fact that Reardon and Melissa Powell in Colorado were killed by an illegal immigrant who had been deported four times and kept coming back. In Louisiana... A grandmother and her son, if I remember the details right, were coming back from Texas. And an illegal alien collided into them and killed them. The border's not secure. And progressive policies are coming home to roost and they're trying to cover up the fact. Katie Porter, uh, one of the most contemptible members of Congress, and, and, and I don't say that lightly. Katie Porter, you may have political disagreements like, okay, for example, um, I disagree pretty vehemently with Marjorie Taylor Greene on a lot of stuff. I don't particularly care for Marjorie Taylor Greene, regardless of, of how she votes and she tends to vote the way I like, but I don't particularly care for her. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is nothing compared to Katie Porter. Katie Porter is a Democrat from California. Look y'all, um, name your member of Congress, Eric Swalwell. Don't like Eric Swalwell. Uh, don't like Adam Schiff. Uh, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwar are nothing compared to Katie Porter. Katie Porter was abusive to her husband. Uh, is there horrible stories about her treatment of family and staff? She is a deeply, deeply unpleasant, terrible person who is running for the United States Senate and is going to lose. But she, the left loves her because she says all the right things. They will ignore her awful, 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 horrible, contemptible behavior to other people because she says all the right things for them. And she was on uh, CNN last night and and you just gotta listen to this. I think when a horrible tragedy like like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there's a sense of outrage, of sadness and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy, which has so many different facets, including economic choices about what workers to allow in and how to create prosperity in America. So the situation is tragic and it's a loss and it's important to acknowledge that, but also to recognize all the other how all the other parts of immigration policy fit together. Except we could secure the border without the other parts. Except every time there's a tragedy, they say, well, it's just one time. Well, you know, when you take one time in California and one time in Colorado and one time in Texas and one time in Louisiana and one time in New York and one time in Florida and one time in Georgia, those aren't one times anymore. They're multiple times. It becomes a pattern. And the left doesn't want to deport these people. They drag it out. They have allowed this amnesty situation. And yes, there are. There's a valid argument that this piece of legislation that got killed because Donald Trump uh, said he wanted to run on the issue and House Republicans didn't like it. Uh, it would have. It would have streamlined and sped up the uh, situation of people asking for amnesty and asylum in the country. Absolutely true. But you don't need that law for Joe Biden to secure the border. You don't need new laws to enforce existing laws. And I would note that when Joe Biden became president, a whole lot of people south of the border started streaming across because they knew Joe Biden was weak on this issue. One of the, frankly, brilliant public policy maneuvers in the last few decades is Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott and other uh, Republican governors sending illegal immigrants around the country, sending them to Martha's Vineyard, sending them to New York, sending them to Chicago. Uh, progressive cities like to virtue signal, and living up to their virtues is often very hard. They all declared themselves sanctuary cities when immigration was a Texas problem, and now it's their problem. They're having to second-guess their sanctuary city status. This is Eric Adams, the mayor of new york city
1: those small numbers that are committing crimes we need to modify the uh, the sanctuary city law that if you commit a felony a violent act we should be able to turn you over to ice and have you deported it is a right to live in this city and you should be you should be not committing crimes in our city and doing so right now we don't have the authority to do so
0: You don't have the authority to do so because if your city council decided to morally preen when Republican states and red state governors were upset about illegal immigration, you guys decided to preen and do the sanctuary city nonsense. Athens, Clark County, Georgia declared itself a sanctuary city. Now, there's a commissioner in Clark County who uh, kind of wants everybody to know that uh, some of the reporting there about sanctuary cities isn't exactly accurate. Uh, John Culpepper is District 7 Commissioner in Athens-Clarke County, and I got this. Uh, a friend of mine sent it to me. It says, regarding recent discussions, it's imperative to clarify that Athens-Clarke County is not a sanctuary city. While I cannot speak to, speak to previous commissions, I do not uphold or support sanctuary city policies. The laws of Georgia concerning sanctuary cities clearly state that no local governing body is permitted to enact, adopt, or enforce any sanctuary policy. Such policies include any regulation or practices that inhibit communication or cooperation with federal officials or law enforcement regarding immigration status information. Non-compliance with the law can result in withholding of state funds. I will note that I do not have discretion over the sheriff or district attorney's office. In other words, hint, 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 the problem's not with the county commission. It's with the district attorney who, by the way, we need to review this again. Deborah Gonzalez, the district attorney for Athens Clark County was not a prosecutor in her former life. She was an entertainment lawyer who got elected to the state legislature and when she left became the district attorney. She's lost 14 murder trials in a row. She should have 17 assistant district attorneys who work for her, but she's such a terrible boss. She only has three. No one wanted to work for her. They even boosted pay to try to attract people to work for her and people refused to do so. She's dismissed 46% of the cases uh, that were brought in by law enforcement. It's gotten so bad that law enforcement in athens Clark County is trying to find federal crimes with which to charge people because the Joe Biden-appointed U.S. attorney in that area is more likely to prosecute a criminal than the athens Clark County District Attorney, Deborah Gonzalez. That's how bad it is. This is relevant because qualifying in Georgia starts very soon. You know, the district attorney there, Deborah Gonzalez, has refused to... Go for the death penalty. You know, cynically, here's what I think is going to happen. I think Deborah Gonzalez has finally found the murderer to go for the death penalty to try to boost her. She will crassly and against her own values sacrifice this guy, Jose Ibarra, to try to win re-election, and then you'll never see another death penalty case, just this one-time exception so that she can look tough on crime and try to get herself reelected. She'll go for the death penalty for this guy and no one else. She'll probably lose this case too. For the Fifteen, literally, she's lost fourteen cases in a row—murder cases. Qualifying's coming. I'm on the radio for those of you nationwide listening. I'm on the radio right now in Athens, Clark County, WGAU. You guys in that area, Oconee County in Athens, Clark County, can find someone to run against her in the Democratic primary. Republicans probably not going to win given the dynamics there. They they may win, but it's a tougher thing for a Republican to run there, but there are plenty of good people to run as Democrats against her and beat her in a primary. It's a choice you guys are making. And those of you who are students at the University of Georgia, if you don't feel safe, blame Deborah Gonzalez, the district attorney. She's the one not prosecuting the cases. She's the one who's refusing to work. With Vets, she's the one who's saying she'll take someone's uh, status as an illegal alien into into account because she doesn't want to cause these people harm. And now one of them has murdered a student on the University of Georgia campus. Direct result of the policies of the district attorney, Deborah Gonzalez. And you all have got the opportunity in a few weeks with qualifying to find someone in the Democratic primary to run against her and make a case to the black middle class of Clark County and Oconee County and to the Democratic voters generally that their county and their district has seen crime increase and seen this murder happen because of the direct uh, policy positions of the district attorney. You've got the opportunity to turn it around on the ballot. It's going to be far easier for you all to fix it than for the governor of the state legislature to fix it county commission is very notable the wording on this letter from john culpepper on the county commission that we we can't speak for the old commission but the current commission we don't do sanctuary city stuff but we can't speak for the da hint 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 hint. tells you everything you need to know now i gotta tell you about hillsdale college because right now you can take a course on uh, the United States and Western civilization taught to by Victor Davis Hanson, who I am just a massive fan of. All you have to do is go to ericforhillsdale.com and sign up. Go to eric, I'm going to do it for eric, E-R-I-C-K, forhillsdale.com. And you can learn the significance of American citizenship and the threats it faces today. Thanks to Victor Davis Hansen. My goodness, having him teach this class, y'all, he's a genius and you can, can develop this relationship with Hillsdale College really easy. All you have to do is put in your email address at ericforhillsdale.com and click the Register Now button. You'll get the information from Hillsdale College for this course. American Citizenship and Its Decline. You can learn about it today. It's an eight-lecture course. You'll examine the origins and history of citizenship in the West and the threats to American citizenship today. Topics covered include the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of sovereign borders, the rise of tribalism, the growth of the deep state, the modern assaults on the Constitution, and the emergence of uh, new forms of global governments. You can get this at eric, E-R-I-C-K, ericforhillsdale.com. It's free from Hillsdale College, the great, great institution stewarding American constitutional conservatism. Go to eric, E-R-I-C-K, Eric4Hillsdale.com today
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com.
0: Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson across the nation. Y'all, I'm looking at it. We, we got to talk about this in detail when we come back, this potential government shutdown. Um We'll, we'll see if this happens. Um I'm not sure. But first, I want to take Mary's phone call. Mary, welcome to the show. How are you? Yes, sir. Just fine. Thank you. Hope the same for you. Um, I know you're running out of of time this hour, so I'll throw this out there real quick. Um, What Ms. Porter said about, you know, you can't judge all the illegal immigrants by, you know, we can't ban all of them because of the actions of a few. I find this very hypocritical because anytime there's a shooting, the left wants to ban all guns. So... (laughs) Yep, you're absolutely, absolutely right. It, it, it it's funny on on their particular issue. Um, it, it kind of like what I mentioned yesterday is, uh, their rush to say, "Oh, we shouldn't politicize this tragedy." Something they do every time there's a shooting, and now they're saying, "Oh, we 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 we, we can't change policy." That's a great point. Thank you, Mary, for that. Yeah, it, it's so the, the hypocrisy of the left on this issue, and you know, I, I was um was on the radio, um, on WTIC up in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, uh, with with one of the hosts there this morning. And we were talking about this issue. And said, you know, if we just secure the border, we could change the entire conversation about immigration for the most part of what to do with the people who are here, how do we deport people, what do we do with the the asylum seekers. If you just – the first step is close the border. We don't need comprehensive immigration reform. We don't need a 10,000-page piece of legislation. Just secure the border, and then let's talk about everything else sounds like the president may be headed in that direction now by executive order i just have a sneaking suspicion he's not going to do it because if he does it it's a pretty damning admission against interest that he could have done it all along and i don't think he wants to go down that road but we'll see um i just it's we we got to we got to deal with this issue it is the number one issue americans care about right now